Welcome to our uh, night service. Thanks for coming out tonight to be a part of what God's doing. And so I'm very excited for uh, the preaching of the word and what God wants to say through Pastor Maurice. And so uh, if you weren't here this morning, um, Pastor Maurice has come all the way from Newport News, Virginia. Um, I encourage you to watch the message or listen to it again um, because it's powerful. It's, we're all somewhere within that message or we're all going to be somewhere within that message that was spoke this morning. So we're going to have part two tonight. So why don't we give a South Towns welcome for Pastor Maurice all the way from Newport News. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody say praise Jesus. I thank God. I thank God uh, for what God is doing, um, how he's doing it. Thank you guys so much for coming back out tonight, um, trying to just unpack all that God has given me to give to you in these few days that we're here together. Um, so I, I want to I jump into the word. So let's look back at our scripture text. And uh, it's customary in the house. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? Mark, the fourth chapter is our scripture text. We're going to jump right into out of the New King James Version. It reads like this. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father God, in the name of Jesus, as we embark upon your word, we look to your word to change us from the inside out. We need you, Father God, in this hour to speak revelation that, God, our lives would be forever changed. We honor you, we bless you, we thank you in Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. 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 You can have your seats if you can. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I, I want to complete the message, Travel Light. This is part two. I really want you to get the essence of the message to which I believe the Lord has called me to give to this house, to this region, to this community. I spoke earlier this morning about the ability that when we travel and when we go different places, oftentimes we carry a lot with us. And the analogy is, is that as we are living life, what we oftentimes do is we carry things from one place to the next. 
if we were to be very honest with each other, we'd find that it's hard to let things go. We hold on to things because it has some form of sentimental value. It means so much to us that we'd rather hold on to it and keep it than to let it go. Now, my wife is oftentimes asking me to clean the garage. Gizzy, I, I like P.T.'s garage. My wife would love P.T.'s garage because you can actually fit a car in the garage. As I was watching through the neighborhood, folks watching the Buffalo Bills play, we rode through and you could see TVs and couches and they just outfitted their entire garages to look like another part of the house in order to watch the game and the garages are painted and shelves are up and things are in. And, and that's not how my garage looks. Matter of fact, when you, you open my garage door, my wife is very quickly to say, please put that door back down. Interesting enough, for Mother's Day one year, Tommy, I turned around and I was going to treat my wife. And I said, for Mother's Day, I'm going to treat you so that you can put your car in the garage. And so I backed up a big old trailer, and I loaded any and everything that we didn't touch, hadn't used, hadn't done anything with. If it hadn't been touched in six months, it went on the back of this trailer, and I got rid of it. My wife was so happy for Mother's Day because I was able to get her car in the garage. Now, the problem is, and I can say this because she's not here, is that no sooner than probably three to six months later, the garage was full again. And I'll be honest, there's nothing in there that I put in there. We have a habit of keeping things that we shouldn't keep any longer than it needs to be kept. We have a habit, or some have a habit, I'll say that, at least in my garage, everything that the wife doesn't want in the house, she tells the kids to put it where? In the garage. Then I got to tell you, it used to all go in the attic before we had a garage and we had this house built. It used to all go in the attic. We had so much stuff in our attic that we had one whole pod full of stuff from the attic. And so when we built the new house, I put a padlock on the attic. So nothing could go up there. So now that it can't go in the attic, it tends to find its place in the garage. And every time I get ready to purge the garage, something else seems to fill the spot. Here's my point. My point is this, is that if you're not careful, the very things that you clean out, you'll fill it with something else. And you will tell yourself, that you are justified in keeping that which you should be letting go. 
Let me give it to you biblically. Biblically, the Bible says that if you go and you clean the house, that if you don't fill it with the Holy Spirit, the enemy will notice that it is empty, will gather seven of stronger friends and come back and overtake that which you have already cleaned. I'm here to share with you is that as we look at travel light and how we are to travel light, we have to be very careful that when we are cleaning this temple, when we are purging this temple, that we are not just filling it with just anything or leaving it unattended, but we're asking God, God, I need you to fill me with your peace, your love, your joy, your timbers. Look at Galatians 5 and 22. We need to fill it with the fruits of the Spirit. So when you're being cleansed of the pain and the hurt of the past, when, when you didn't, it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out or things didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. You can't fill it with the things of the world. You need to fill it with the things of God. So when we talk about travel light and looking at how we're to travel light, we already looked at how big is your boat. We already looked at, you know, you can't avoid the storm. I want to get right into the third part about this. The third part that I have is, is that there's an escort service. Now, now, I'm not talking about that, that sinful escort service. I'm literally talking about the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus does usually excuse you from the storm. There are times that God will excuse you from a storm. But I've come to give you some harsh reality about some things this weekend. That normally... If he does not excuse you, he's the very one that's escorting you into the storm. That Jesus is the one that is going to carry you into the very storms that come up in your life. Think about it for a second. Our text tells us that Jesus was, I, I will impose that Jesus was tired. They said they took Jesus just as he was, and they put him on the boat, and they found that he was laying in the stern of the boat on a pillow. So after all the ministering that Jesus did, Jesus found himself laying and resting. When the storm arose, his disciples went to him and awoke him. He said, do you not care that we perish? Now, I don't know about y'all. 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 One of the worst things you can do is two things I really don't prefer you do to me. Two things. Two things, Tommy. One, you got to feed me. I know it seems like a shocker, but I got to eat because I get hangry. Y'all know what hangry is, right? That's not a southern Miss dialect. That's just the fact that I'm hungry and angry mixed together. So I got to eat. The second thing is, is I got to sleep. And the worst thing in the world that I dislike is when I'm in a deep sleep and my wife wakes me up to ask me, are you sleep? Or when she taps me on my shoulder and she asks me to get something that's on her side of the bed. I know that doesn't happen to any of you all. So pray for me. 
But the worst thing in the world is to wake me when there's something you can do yourself. Jesus, I believe, was a little irritated because his disciples woke him because Jesus, I believe, felt as though his disciples could have took care of the storm. Where do you get that from, Pastor? Why else would Jesus say, where is your faith? It's his words that he spoke that changed the storm. It's your words that you will speak that will change your storm. Where is your faith? Come on, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the word. Y'all don't read like that, does it? But now faith, the King James says, is the substance. I just said now faith is the word because the word faith was created to become the very thing, the substance to which we hope for. It becomes the evidence, the word faith becomes the evidence of things not seen. Faith is nothing more than a word that was developed to describe that which is intangible and unable for us to describe other than the fact that there is a word to describe it. It's almost like the word God. When I run into atheists who say, I don't believe in God, I'm like, how, how can you say you don't believe in God and you just said it? The word doesn't exist unless it has definition behind it. So when you say, where is your faith? What's behind the word faith in your life? Because it could be nothing more than me turning around and, and saying something and you go, what is that? I can only imagine, PT, one day somebody said, I want to create a drink and I'm going to call it Pepsi. Where did Pepsi come from? But because we all understand Pepsi, now Pepsi defines what we all know to be a drink of soda or pop. Y'all say pop, right? I forgot, excuse me. <laughs> but you don't have sweet tea. <laughs> Y'all need to be delivered. Lift your hand if you haven't had sweet tea in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. Your faith is backed by the very things you believe and the words to which you speak over your life. What you say out of your mouth identifies the level of faith that you have in your spirit. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That you have the ability, I believe Jesus looked at his disciples and began to say, you have the same ability to speak over the storm and not to get fearful over the storm. Why are you waking me up when you have the power? You have been with me so long that you can speak the words over this very thing. And they were amazed. They were amazed. The Bible says, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let me tell you something. God is able to show you what kind of savior we're serving. 
that even if your faith is not where you think it needs to be, look unto Jesus who's the author and the finisher of your faith. There are times that I believe that Jesus himself will escort you. He will cause you to go into storms. He'll cause you to be places that you didn't think about you'd ever want to be. He calls you to go places. Why? Because there's a purpose for you to be there. I told you earlier this morning that he, he was, they were headed to a region called Decapolis. That word Decapolis meaning ten cities. And I looked that up and I began to research about the ten cities. See, Alexander the Great wanted to... Uh, uh, imperialize and, and push forward the Greek culture, the philosophies and the theater and the Greek mythology and all of the things that were anti-God. And, 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 and what you found was, was that when the, 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 the ruler began to pass on, they cut up the city. They cut it up and they made it into ten little cities so that one city, if it failed, the other ones would continue to reign on. And the theories and the thoughts, the, the, the stuff that was happening in the Greek land was beginning to spread even in, into Jerusalem. And they didn't want to hear about God. They didn't want to hear about the things of God. They didn't want to do anything that mattered when it came to God. They wanted to worship their own gods. But Jesus said, I've got to go to the other side. Many of us, as born-again believers, we stay right here. My four and no more. We don't want to go down into the inner city. We don't want to talk about dealing with the bars. We don't want to talk about dealing with uh, uh, the, the sins of the world. Why? If it don't affect my house, then it don't affect nothing at all. Jesus is getting us to the place. He says, we're not going to go where we've been. They've already heard the word. We've got to take the word to a place that they don't want to hear. As the praise and worship team was ministering, talking about revival, come to realize this. Every time revival has come up in the body of Christ, it's been messy. There's nothing clean about revival. Revival comes to change you. Revival comes to push you. Revival puts you in a place where you're uncomfortable. Revival puts you in a place and makes, makes you get to a point where you turn around and you say, you know what, there's some folks that can't go with me, and I, I can't have what the young folks call a, a cancel culture. I can't just cancel you out, but I've got to have a concentrated culture. I've got to be concentrated on what I'm saying. I've got to be concentrated on what I'm believing. I've got to be concentrated on everything that God has for me because I get it. We love to talk about being blessed. We love to talk about having purpose. We love to talk about these things. These things are nice. God has a purpose for my life. I'm blessed and highly favored. We got church lingo. You know, how you doing? I'm good. I'm blessed. God's blessed me going in and coming out. And yet it's still inside your suffering. What happens, what happens, my friends, what happens when God calls you to a place that's so deep that nobody else can hear you cry? What happens when you are the only one up late at night and it's just you and God and you feel like nobody else is there and nobody else can hear you? What happens when you go through traumatic times in your life and you feel like God is so far off that he can't hear you? What happens when it's so dark? Because I can only imagine while being out there to see and when the storm arose, it became very dark. What happens when you're in a dark place? 
And you're looking around and you're asking yourself, God, where are you? God, can I hear you now? What happens when you've concentrated yourself or gotten yourself to a place where you say, God, I need you now more than anything, when you've been separated? When God looks at you and says, I've separated you in order that I might refine you. I've separated you in order that I might make you and develop you. I've personally put you in this place. I have personally grabbed you by the hand and walked you into this season. I am with you because there's something that I'm working in you and both out of you. God brings you to a place where you realize that not only am I being developed for what I'm coming out of, but also of what he's taking me into. It's a change. It's a shift. But I have to realize that God is the one that has escorted me into this season. Be still. Wait on God. Know that your blessings is right in the boat with you. Your storm is not a storm of devastation, but your storm helps you to get to your destination. Your storm is going to help you get to your place where God always wanted you to be. But I got to give it to you this way. You, God couldn't have given it to you back then. He had to give it to you now because now he knew you'd be ready to receive what he has for you. All that God has for you, he has not given you this season of your life to destroy you. He's given you this season of your life in order to push you into your place of destiny. The enemy would love for you to believe that this season came to break you. I'm here to tell you, if you get broken in this season, you will be healed. I always tell my wife, my wife has three degrees that I'm keep paying for. That was our trade-off. The trade-off was, was that I had two children from a previous marriage. I was a single dad for seven years. And the trade-off was, was that she would be the mother to my children and I'd take on her college debt. <laughs> Somehow or another, I don't think that was an even trade, but I just took it anyway. But I tell her all the time, she worked, she, when she was working, she was working in the medical field. And so I told her that I wanted to have a medical degree just like hers, but I didn't want to have to pay for it. So I, you know, evoked myself into watching things like Grey's Anatomy. Chicago Med. I even went back to watch Doogie Howser. <laughs> the Good Doctor. These are all my shows that you know, I begin to watch so that I could understand medical jargon. And she absolutely hates that because I'll use illustrations like I'm about to use now that I have no reference to whatsoever other than where I got my degree for my medical profession. I heard in my school that if you break a bone and if they set it properly and you go through the healing process that that bone is that part of the bone is stronger than any other bone I talked to my dad one day he spent 47 years in the shipyard building ships welding and he'll tell you the strongest part of the ship 
if done properly, is at the weld where it's been cut. Do you not know that you have been cut and engrafted into the body of Christ? That every place that you feel like you've been broken, if you'll allow the healing balm of Gilead to pour over your life, that the area to which you thought you were broken and could never be pieced back together again, you will find that that's the area that you've become the strongest in. The enemy would love for you to believe that you've been destined to be depressed. And I speak against that now in the name of Jesus. The enemy would love for you to believe that there is no hope after this. The enemy would love for you to believe that there is shame and, 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 and for you to hold your head down. I tell you this, lift up your head, O ye gates, and lift it up, ye everlasting doors. Lift up your head. Why? Because if you'll allow the healing power of Jesus to work in your life, those areas that have been broken, it will be the strongest area of your life. We're not exempt from any of those things, but I'm here to tell you that God is pushing you to your destination. See, watch this. If you don't believe that Jesus will begin to escort you in places that you've never done before. Remember I said this morning that I want to be more like Jesus. I want to represent the kingdom. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus himself, after he was baptized. You remember the story about him being baptized? When he was baptized, John the Baptist went to go baptize him. And when he got to be baptized, it's the one place where we see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because God himself said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And a dove descended upon him. There was that representation of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened after Jesus was baptized? The Bible says it this way, that God drove him into the wilderness. Just after your greatest revelation, just after somebody has just made the biggest proclamation in the world, now you get to be driven into your wilderness or into your storm. God himself drove Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. I believe every time Jesus did ministry, he had to go and spend time with the Father. He had to, to be strengthened. Don't allow the storm or the fact that you're in the storm or that you're coming out of the storm or you're going into a storm distract you from the fact that Jesus is forever with you. If I've got Jesus, I've got everything I need. My oldest son, as he was coming up, he wouldn't like to take the trash out at night. He'd take the trash out before the sun went down. My backyard, if you do not turn on any lights, it is pitch. If the moon isn't lit, it is pitch black. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And he's like, I ain't going out there. And at 19, I still think he ain't going out there. And we would watch him 
as he would do stupid stuff. Can I say stupid in here? Okay. He'd do crazy stuff. Like he'd run out there and then try to toss the trash in the can and then miss the can. Now you got to stand out there longer. But I found one thing. If I stand there, especially when he was younger, if I stand outside the back door, stand by the garage and say, son, I'm here. I'm right here. Daddy's watching you. I got you. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got it. Ain't nothing going to hurt you. Not as long as I'm here. I don't care how dark it is out there. Daddy got his eyes on you. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care how dark it gets. Daddy got his eyes on you. Okay, what you feel like you're fearful of, daddy's standing close. He's not going to let nothing happen to you that he doesn't already have a way of escape. That's what the Bible tells me. He says that if, if that, that when you get caught up, the Colossians says, he says, there's nothing that will come upon you unaware, but if it does, he says, I will provide a way of escape. I'll make it so that you can get out. Just when the enemy thinks he's got you backed into a corner where you can't get out, he says, I'm going to make a way that you can get out. Why? Because I'm taking care of you. Jesus is leading you into the storm. So wherever he leads you to, he will make sure that he leads you through it. There's a small town in, called Matthews in Virginia, Matthews County. Matthews County, Tom, you don't go through Matthews, you go to Matthews. Because we have a whole lot of peninsulas and, and, and waterways in, in the Hampton Roads area. Well, Matthews County, when you get on the main road, there's one road that goes in. And on the back end of that road is the, is, is, is the Chesapeake Bay. You don't go through Matthews. You go to Matthews. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that whatever I'm going through today is not my destiny. Y'all didn't get that. Y'all know what I mean? I'm going to have to be here a little longer. When you go through a storm, it's not your destination. You can go through Newport News, through Hampton, through Hamburg, through South Towns, through Buffalo. It's not your destination. There's a, there's a beginning and there's an end. When you're going through your storm, look at it and say, God, I thank you that this is not my destination. Heaven is my goal. I'm not stuck here. Ah, <laughs> uh, Listen, what, what happens when God refuses to remove you from the storm. What happens? Write this in your notes. He will sustain you through it. He's a keeper and he'll hold you in his hands. My last point, I'm going to get y'all up out of here. Last point is preparation for greatness. Remember I told you that where God has called you is not for devastation, but it's for destination. That him calling you into the deep is really for preparation. He's preparing you for greatness. 
He's positioning you to help others. I look at it and I say, I look at Jesus's life and Jesus, the Bible tells us that he walked on the earth for 33 years. He suffered, bled, and died for you and I so that you and I would not have to do 33 years. It takes us about 33 seconds to confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. What he went through with the beating, three days in the tomb, the ridicule, the spitting on, all that he went through, we didn't have to go through. Why am I saying that? I know some of you have had some trials and tribulations like I have. Maybe some that are similar, maybe they're a little bit different. But do you know that God has allowed me to live through certain things in order that I can be a blessing to somebody else? I know what it's like to go through a divorce. One of the worst feelings of my life. And I'm a big advocate of marriages making it. And I can tell you how not to get divorced. Why? Because I don't want you to go through the 10 years of hell that I went through if you listen to me for 10 minutes. I know what it's like to smoke cigarettes and not want to put them down. But if you listen to me, I can help you. Many of you have been through some storms in your life and you've looked at these storms and you said, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to share this with nobody because I'm ashamed of what I've been through. I'm ashamed of where I've been. Maybe yours was drug. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was fornication or adultery. Maybe you were a liar or a thief or something else. Whatever. Such as each one of us, we were all in that category one way or another. And we've been holding back because I'm shameful for what either happened to me or what I've done to others and I'm here to tell you whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Can I tell y'all this? The Bible says it this way, that we've overcome the enemy. It takes two things to overcome the enemy. The blood of the Lamb, the words of your testimony, Many of us are living halfway defeated lives. Why? Because the enemy has convinced us to lock up our testimony and keep it to ourselves. Many of us, we, we refuse. We say, I'm healed. I'm healed from that. I'm healed from that. I'm no longer that anymore. But I, maybe, maybe there's a little part of me that I still may go back to that, so I don't want to talk about it yet. No, talk about it. Talk about it because the very part that you've been delivered from, even if it's a little bit, talk about it so that God gets the glory, so that the enemy is defeated and God is glorified. God is preparing you to be a blessing to the people on the other side. See, here's the piece that I, I like so much. We didn't even read chapter 5 but I'll encourage you to go home and read chapter 5. What you'll find is, is that Jesus said, we must go over to Decapolis. We've got to go there because when you read chapter 5 of Mark, you'll find that there was an individual when they got to Decapolis that was possessed with many demons. 
Jesus understood it's worth us going through the storm. It's worth us defying what others say we shouldn't do in order for us to go to the other side and be a blessing to the very people that need us the most. There's somebody in your community that needs to hear your testimony. There's somebody in your family that needs to know that, guess what? That's right. I didn't come out the womb holier than thou. Some of y'all get real offended by little stuff, and that's why folks don't want to talk to church folk. We act like sometimes we ain't never heard a cuss word. We can't even talk to folks right. Everything got to be, you know, in the King James Version. If thou would have just lovest thee. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And again, y'all have to excuse me. You know, I tried it. I tried when T.D. Jakes came out with his uh, love songs. I like, I like worship music, and I like worshiping God, and, and me and God, we get along. Worship music is, listen, I love worship music more than anything else. But when I'm with my wife, it, Luther, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't T.D. Jakes. It's, 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 I, I need a little Luther. I need a woo 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 We, 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 get so, we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You want to minister to your neighbor, but you don't talk to your neighbor. You want to be a blessing to your coworker, but you don't talk to your coworker unless it's about church. I told this to our, to, to our church, PT. You know, we, we, we went through these discipleship classes and stuff, and I told him, I said, listen, here's how discipleship works. Stop inviting folks to church. Stop. Don't invite nobody else to church until you have ministered to them yourself for a whole year. He said, Pastor, what does that look like? How about you invite them to go get coffee, go get a donut, maybe invite them over to your house and grill out and cook in your backyard and don't mention nothing about God. Let them see God in you. Take your T-shirt off that talks about if you love God, honk. Because the first time somebody honk, then you, well, that don't work either, but I'm just saying. How about we become the, the living epistles? We become the very example to which others will look and say, what is it about you? I almost get offended. I tell people in my church, please, when we go somewhere, don't introduce me as pastor. Please don't introduce me as pastor. Because then people want to act different. I'm that guy that when you go somewhere, I'm like, yo, you got your drink? I'm cool. You got your smokes? I'm cool because I'm not offended by that. I'm there. God, I can't go get the fish unless I go where the fish are. I just don't have that power yet. I tried it, Tommy. I tried to get out and be like, in the name of Jesus, get in the boat. And clean yourself when you get in here. I told PT the other day, it's not like I don't like fishing. I, I, I love fishing, but I got to make sure I'm catching something. I'm not just going out and standing in no pier or standing on the shoreline, especially when it's cold and it's raining, because y'all know I don't like cold, right? And then I get hungry, so I get hangry. So I'm not going to stand out there all day, and I'm not catching nothing. I like to get in a boat that has a fish finder. 
Yes, absolutely. So I can go find them. I'm not blindly searching for no fish. I wanna, I'm going to use every tool I got to find them. And then when I catch them, I got another problem. I'm not cleaning them, and neither is my wife. When y'all meet my wife, y'all will figure out why she says she ain't cleaning no fish. So there's no reason for me to keep fish. By the time you fill up the tank, go out there, spend all day doing it, I might as well just go down to the fish market, get what I need so we can get it clean and get up. So when I go fishing, I've tried it. In the name of Jesus, come out the water. Get in the boat. Clean yourself. And fillet, please, no bones. It doesn't work that way. Why is it in the church we feel like that's how we're going to catch sinners? Because we put it on Facebook, they're going to come? Because we done passed out a fly and put it on somebody's car, you ain't talk to nobody. You just stuck it in. <laughs> they're going to come? Maybe. They might. But real fishing. See, that's, that's standing, to me, that's standing at the shoreline, throwing out a rod and hoping that I catch something. God's preparing you for destiny, and he's going to ver- use the very storms to which he has carried you through to be a blessing to people in your community. Each one of us, each one of us have been through something. The question is, are you use- utilizing that story to show forth God's glory in other people's lives. It's interesting being at CBN. I've been at CBN for 21 years now, and we have telethons where we get on the phones. Even I have to get on the phone and take calls, people who are calling in and wanting to have prayer done. And what's interesting about it is you get random calls. You, you, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You sit down at a table, and they give you calls. The phone ring, you pick up the call. Hi, this is Maurice. Thank you for calling 700 Club. How may I help you? Hey, Maurice, listen, I'm going through, and every time I've taken a call in 21 years, as God is my witness, every person on the other end of that call is going through something that I've either been through or that I'm going through. Is that a coincidence? No, that's God's divine timing in my life. God has positioned you to be in a place to receive the healing power of God in your life in order that it might flow through you and go to other people's lives. So when you look back and you say, God, you're preparing me through this storm. You've got me positioned that I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to do like James 1, between verses 2 and 4, it says to consider it all joy. When things come up against you, it's an opportunity for great joy. I'm going to do like John 16 and 33, it says, have I not told you that these things, so that in me that you may have peace. What is that peace? That peace is nothing missing, nothing broken, everything whole. There's nothing wrong with you. God's developing you. And yes, there'll be some growing pains. Yes, there'll be some tears. Yes, there'll be some areas of your life that needs to be strengthened. But believe me when I tell you this, that God is growing you up. The darkest and deepest places of my life have been prepared for the greatest victories 
in Christ. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. God is purposely escorting you through this season. It's not the finish. He'll finish the work. He'll finish the work in you if you'll allow him to. Don't get so caught up on where you've been. There's some things I can't fix. There's some things I just can't fix. And sometimes we get so caught up in asking the question, God, why? God, why? In 2018, I lost my brother. My brother battled for eight and a half years with cancer. His hips, liver, all sorts of stuff. His kidneys begin to shut down. He was in so much pain. But every Sunday, he'd ride in to church on his scooter. And one day he looked at me, he says, bro, you know, my complete healing is in heaven. He says, I believe that this season, I'm going to live it out. And he was comfortable with the journey to which God had placed him on. He says, my journey now is that every time I go to the doctor's office, I've got to minister to doctors who don't believe. Every nurse I come in contact with, I'm going to minister to them. In 2016, we took a family trip to Disney World, and on the way back, my brother who loves to drive sat in the passenger seat. When we were two hours away from home, I pulled back the blankets off his legs, and his legs had swole up. I said, bro, what is that? He says, my kidneys are shutting down. I should be on dialysis. Why didn't you tell somebody? He says, because I had to finish this race. He said, this is my last trip to Disney World. He knew his purpose. And he says, I'm not going to lie in pity. I'm not going to sit back and allow the enemy to keep me from fulfilling the destiny that God has for me. I'm not here to tell you that everything in your life is going to be fixed the way you think it's going to be fixed. I'm here to tell you that God is still God. My brother asked me one day, PT, he says, what happens to the person who doesn't get healed on this side or never gets rich, never owns the home they wanted to own, maybe drive the car they wanted to drive? Does that change the power the plan of God? No. No. My prayer today is for your peace. As you're going through the storm, if you need God's peace in your life today, 
that peace that surpasses all understanding, that peace that says nothing missing, nothing broken, everything whole. That whatever state you are in right now, you are not broken to the place that God cannot use you. You have nothing missing that God says right now, you, I'm everything you need. He told Paul this, he says, in your weakness, my grace is made. It's developed in your weakness. While you're yet going through, God says, I've got enough grace to hold you up. I've got more than enough grace to keep you, to hold you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Russell, I need that peace. Just raise your hand right where you are. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go. Raise your hand. Just raise it up. Says, I need that peace. I need it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, touch every hand that's raised. Touch them now, God. Allow your peace that surpasses all understanding to guard their heart and their mind. Allow them, God, to understand above all things that you have them in the palm of their hand and there's nothing, God, nothing shall overtake them, nothing. God, we release this into your hands. Thanking you, Father God, the power that worketh in us through Christ Jesus. God, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you say amen? Come on, give God a hand clap of praise in this place. God is a good God, amen? Amen. You know, I think the weekend, what has really so far spoken to me is that no matter who you are, we're all there, or we've all been there, or we may all be going through there. It's, we're, as your pastor, I'm not immune to it. I've been in the storm, been in the middle of a storm, came out of a storm, back into a storm, and it just, and there'll be more, I'm sure, because I've given everything to God and I have a plan and purpose and life in the world is not easy. And the enemy doesn't want us as believers to succeed and continue to move and go forward. And so he wants to do everything possible to make us say, I don't believe in you, God, anymore because you're not answering my prayers. The enemy wants us to shake our fist at God and be angry and say, how come so-and-so passed how come? He wants us to do that because then it begins to put a little crack in our faith. And any type of crack begins to get bigger, right? If you, if you know concrete, you get a little crack in your concrete. Next thing you know, it's bigger and part of the driveway is sinking and, and all these other things. And that's why I think this message is so important for us to understand never take our eyes off Jesus. But then I, I want to encourage you to find somebody, one or two people that you trust, that you trust, that you can know that whatever you tell them, whatever you share with them, they got your back in prayer.
See, I have a couple people like that. Two of them are in the front pew. No matter what I, three of them, my wife is, of course, my partner, but my friends, my brothers. Because I know that I know. Pastor Maurice and I, we spent hours on the phone over the years crying, praying with one another, standing in the gap for one another, just texting, you okay today? How's the family? See, you don't know his whole story, and it's not my place to tell you. But I know where some of this message is coming out of because I know where they were and where they are and what God's doing. And so I want to encourage you to stay connected to Jesus. Keep your eyes focused. George Beverly Shea, was it George Beverly Shea that saying, turn your eyes to Jesus or keep your eyes on Jesus? Is that who it was? Old school. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not man, Jesus. Not people, Jesus. Not things, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. And if I could sing, I would sing that hymn for you because it's so powerful. And so go home tonight and focus in on Jesus. Take the seeds that have been planted and let them grow. Draw closer to the Father. Amen? And so as we prepare to leave here, I'm sure a pastor will pray with you. We need more prayer. He will pray with you. I know that. But as we get ready to depart, I want to encourage you to pray about a seed offering. If you didn't plant a seed this morning into this ministry of one church and Pastor Maurice, as he comes from Newport News, just to share this word that is, I have three or four pages of notes, just good stuff that we need to hear. And I want to sow a seed into his ministry and into him for the call on his life. And so you can, if you're going to write a check, make it out to South Towns, just put it in an envelope or, and the offering bowls are in the back. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. God, it is so life-changing. It's so refreshing to hear truth being preached, to seeing truth being lived out. And Father, I pray, God, that even now that as we prepare to depart from this place, God, everything that was put in, God, you would continue to work it out in us. Lord, give us the ability to receive the easy things, but also receive the difficult things that you're asking, that you're showing, that you're revealing, that you're pruning, whatever you're doing, God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these messages and the message even coming tomorrow night. And Father, even now we pray for the the seed offering that we'll be planting. Father, let it multiply. Let it bless. And I know pastor's heart. Let it continue to build the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap as we get ready to go.